Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. We in the U.S. have once again been ripped out of daylight savings time. The sun's rising later, the nights are longer, it seems harder to stay energized. The seemingly perpetual sleepiness led me to look up the latest fertility research that involves consuming caffeine. After a bit of digging, I found an article that seems like a fit for the podcast. The article was published in August in a journal called Frontiers in Nutrition, and the article's title is Relationship Between Maternal Caffeine and Coffee Intake and Pregnancy Loss, a Grading of Recommendations Assessment, Development, and Evaluation Assessed Dose-Response Meta-Analysis of Observational Studies. What this very long and very dry title is trying to say is that this research looked at how pregnancy loss relates to caffeine intake. The title mentioned how this is a meta-analysis of observational studies. To break down what this jargon means, very briefly, a meta-analysis is a study that looks at the collective results from several earlier studies. The studies being compiled into a meta-analysis are typically trying to answer a common question. In this particular meta-analysis, the collective studies were all trying to figure out if women who consume caffeine while trying to conceive or while pregnant had higher risks of pregnancy loss. It's worth noting that none of these studies were actively giving the women caffeine of any kind. The studies were just observing women who did and did not consume caffeine shortly before or during a pregnancy to see if there were differences, hence the term observational study that was thrown out in the title. There's typically a ton of red tape to conduct experimental studies that give drugs to pregnant women due to concerns for maternal or fetal harm. I've posted a good link in the show notes if you're curious to learn more about the history of clinical research in pregnancy. With this bit of backstory into what a meta-analysis is, and what was happening in this one, it's time for some study details. First details, why the authors wanted to do this meta-analysis. As anyone listening to the show knows, a miscarriage can be devastating. Current estimates suggest that one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage. That's a pretty high rate. And speaking of high rates, a 2014 study of American women found that 82% of women reported consuming caffeine during their pregnancies. Caffeine consumption in pregnancy has been linked to congenital issues, low birth weight, and spontaneous abortion. Numerous studies have tried to tease out if and how caffeine consumption produces these negative baby outcomes. The conclusions are sometimes inconsistent or in conflict, which is why a meta-analysis, taking a 30,000-foot view of many individual studies, is particularly valuable. This meta-analysis isn't the first one to try to figure out associations between caffeine consumption and pregnancy loss, but it's the first one published in seven years. Thus, to sum up the author's motivation, doing a meta-analysis could freshen up and even expand upon previous attempts to answer this very important question of how pregnancy loss relates to caffeine consumption. In order to answer this important question, the authors searched three major journal databases and used several search terms to find research involving caffeine or coffee and fetal deaths. 
By the way, these fetal deaths could have occurred at any point in the pregnancy, so the authors were using search terms that included stillbirth, miscarriage, spontaneous abortion, and pregnancy loss. They included studies that were published at any point in history until May of this year. The study authors screened and read through all relevant studies, assessing them for risk of bias. This meta-analysis used random effects models to assess heterogeneity and tried to control for confounding variables. More on this in the show notes as it's time for results. After casting a wide net of search terms, the authors first identified around 2,250 records from those three databases. They wound up eliminating all but 34 studies because many were duplicates, were irrelevant, or didn't really meet their inclusion criteria. It feels like those authors must have experienced some sort of emotional crisis, wondering if it was worth it to sort through, reviewing, discarding over 2,200 studies. Remains to be seen. From the 34 remaining studies, the authors found that a higher intake of coffee before pregnancy increased risks of miscarriage. To be more specific, they found that consuming four or more servings of coffee increased the risk of a miscarriage by 20%. When they examined coffee consumption during pregnancy, results showed that each cup of coffee increased the risk of pregnancy loss by 3%. They noted that this was a similar finding to the 2015 meta-analysis. When they looked at caffeine intake, they found caffeine intake before pregnancy did not increase the risks of pregnancy loss, but they found that each 100 milligrams of caffeine consumption during pregnancy increased risks of pregnancy loss by 14 to 26%. I'd mentioned it a bit ago, the authors were assessing for a risk of bias. They found that almost 80% of the studies had a serious risk of bias. The rest had a moderate risk of bias. I looked at the colorful figure that showed what the biggest problems were in the study. The biggest problem was due to the studies not always controlling for other factors that could have impacted pregnancy loss, factors like smoking, age, and a history of prior pregnancy loss. The authors tried to use statistical methods to work around the weaknesses of those individual studies and try to find meaningful results. To get into my opinions of the study and its design, overall, I felt like the authors did a respectable job conducting this meta-analysis. Even though they used a lot of studies with high risk for bias, they noted that and they worked with the data they had. If they didn't include those high bias studies, then we'd be struggling even more to find answers since we do not have high quality, randomized controlled trials testing caffeine products in women who are pregnant or who are trying to conceive. They used a random effects model, implying that they did not think they had all results. Even so, they made commendable attempts to locate the data. They used multiple search methods, and they explained why so many studies didn't make the cut. Also, they didn't exclude trials that were not listed in English. It's unclear how many studies were not posted in English, but they noted that 22 of 34 trials came from outside of the U.S., so 12 were from the U.S. The authors were wise to note that the weaknesses of their study were that the potential for errors coming from those individual studies were due to reliance upon patients who were trying to recall how much coffee or caffeine they had received and that's subject to recall bias. As for the results themselves, 
the authors concluded in their research that both coffee and caffeine in pregnancy may be associated with risks of pregnancy loss. But they also said that more research is needed to fully explore how caffeine and coffee cause pregnancy loss. These ending sentences were cautious and difficult to refute. They said that there may be associations. Given that the 24 studies all had notable weaknesses, there really do need to be better studies. Per this meta-analysis, a cup of coffee in pregnancy will increase the risk of pregnancy loss by 3%. Yet, a similar amount of unspecified caffeine will increase the risk of pregnancy loss by 14 to 26%. This kind of variability between what are probably pharmacokinetically similar products, and I'm posting a link to a 2016 study to back that up, implies that clearly better studies need to happen so that women can make better caffeine decisions while trying to conceive or while pregnant. And that concludes today's episode. I must admit, I've long debated how to do a podcast episode on a meta-analysis since the statistical information can be burdensome to a lot of listeners. With this in mind, I tried to keep the numbers and stats to a minimum. For those who want more, I've included more details in the show notes, plus this meta-analysis is open access, so hopefully all levels of curiosity can be satisfied. All of the links and the show notes can be found at www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in.